0: Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. All right. Well, what a sweet time of worship. Was that so good? I love it because I know our team works really hard, but like they had a whole different song scheduled that they, we, di- we didn't even end up doing because um, you know, David writes in the Psalms, he says, as a man plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. And so our team works really hard, and there's a lot of planning that goes in to make sure these Sundays can happen. But at the end of the day, we'll pray right back here before services, and we really just say, okay, Lord, we've planned. And we just push the plans across the table and say, but you direct. This is your service, not ours. And so I don't know. It was just something really special in the room because everything you guys sang at the end, they didn't practice nor plan any of that. Um, And so... One of the songs I was kind of excited to sing, we didn't sing, and then the Lord was like, yeah, but this was better. And I was like, you're right, you're right. That was that was way better. Um, well, man, thank you so much for being here today. So I'm not supposed to be preaching today. I um, we We're at a conference all week and had one of our overseers planned. His family was going to come in on Friday, Pastor Jason and Tiffany Masters. Um, that church, Bold City Church, is where we were on staff at for five years before we planted Voyage. and. The house is just crazy generous. I mean, they sewed in all this sound equipment, $80,000 worth of stuff, a trailer. Like, they just invested in us. Um, They actually took care of Shauna and I so that we could move here and buy a house just to be able to do what the Lord had put on our hearts. And so they haven't had the opportunity to come and see what's happening. They've only heard stories. And he was supposed to be here. And Thursday morning, he texted me. and was like, John, I think I got food poisoning, bro. And I was like, okay, well, the Lord can heal that. You'll be fine. Just poop it all out. You'll be good. See you tomorrow. And uh he texted me, he's like, Hey, I'm in the ER and I'll keep you posted. And then he texted me back and he was like, Hey, they're sending me to UF North, they want to do surgery. My appendix is not happy. So he had emergency surgery on Thursday night. He called me Friday morning. He was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, you can't control when your appendix just wants to leave. It's fine. Um, so we're gonna schedule. I think they're gonna be able to show up the third week of March. We're trying to get that planned out, but As much as I just was going to kind of enjoy conference, soak it all in, and then I was going to sit front row, leaned in to hear one of my pastors, mentors, and overseers, the Lord was like, you're going to preach? And uh, as Zach Woodley, um, one of the guy that oversees all of our outreach here, he always says, if you're in the word, you got a word. And so um, I have been in the word, and so I do believe I have a word. Thursday night we were at conference, and um, Pastor Archie Callahan of Bridge Church in Virginia Beach was preaching, and I knew at that point I'm going to have Lord, I need a word for Sunday morning, and uh, I just sensed the Lord said, you're gonna preach out of John four, and you're gonna talk about patterns of pain. I don't know if you've ever been in pain, physically, emotionally, um, in your soul. And I just sensed that the Lord said that he wants to free some people today with patterns of pain. And I promise you, devil, no, um, we, uh, the team told me this morning that it was 82 degrees in this building, and I was like, what happened? And uh, praise God, we got it. we got some HVAC people in the house. Amen. So they went and started doing some research and hooking machines up. And I don't know, it's got power now. It still sounds like it's kind of demon possessed. Um, but we'll uh, we'll pray that it gives us enough to keep going. But there's some of you in the room, there's just some pain. Could be current, could be some pain that you swept under the rug for a long, long time. And so we're just going to... I don't really have a long message. You're going to read some scriptures. I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak specifically to your pain. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're just going to have some altar time, just some time of ministry in the presence of the Lord. If you need prayer, there can be people available to pray with you. If you just need to come have a moment with Jesus. Some of you, it's years of pain, pain from unforgiveness, pain from abuse and trauma, um, real stuff. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. And what a shame for people who follow the one true living God to live in years of pain and yet say they serve a healer. He's a healer. And I'm not saying that when he heals that um, you forget everything. I'm not saying when he heals that there still isn't triggering things that can happen. But I am saying that he can turn your pain into a platform and allow it to be used to set other people free. And so um, I'm going to preach a message titled today, The Pattern of Pain. The Pattern of Pain. And you can write that down. I'm going to read quite a few scriptures out of the Bible. And so I got Alex here hanging out with me to kind of help. It's just a lot of scripture. If I just read it, just my voice, it might be easy for you to, to, um, to disengage and If you look in the Old Testament, the prophets of God were always accompanied by an instrumentalist. And so uh, I'm just going to read the word of God. And after that, we'll pray and we'll ask the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads and guides in all truth according to Jesus. We'll ask him to teach us today. So I'm going to be in John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read 42 verses. If your friend falls asleep, just Judy chop him in the throat, okay? Um, keep people awake. We don't, we don't fall asleep while the word of God's being read, amen? You can fall asleep while I'm preaching if you'd like, but just don't do it when the word of God's being preached. Um, and so John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Here we go. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself wasn't actually baptizing, the disciples were. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee he had to go through samaria everybody say had to go what's interesting is if you look at a map jesus didn't have to go and according to the fact that the the landscape didn't require him to go he had to go because there was an appointment and you'll see that in a few moments he had to go through samaria on the way eventually he came to a samaritan village of sychar near the field that jacob gave to his son. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Everyone say noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Now, pause. You just have to know this is like big deal. Number one, um, when women would go to the well, you'd either go in the morning or in the evening in the cool of the day. You would not go at noontime. This is the bad time to go draw water and to carry water on top of that, she's a Samaritan woman, and Jesus is a Jew. First off, the man shouldn't be asking the woman, just culturally not appropriate, on top of the fact that there's some major racial diversity between Samaritans and Jews, and so Jesus is kind of crossing all the lines here, but that's the kind of Jesus we serve. He doesn't really care about your lines. He's the one that actually sets the lines of the earth and and all, and so he is more concerned with what's going on internally than what society is setting up externally. And so he asked a question, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of, if you only knew the gift of God, uh, the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons that his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. The woman kind of changes her tone thinking about the fact that at noontime, she's traveling to the well because she's probably worried about and just frustrated about the other people who have a lot to say about her. You'll see why they would have a lot to say about her in a moment. And she says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll ne- never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. I won't have to come back to this place again. And Jesus responds in a very Jesus fashion. I feel like he's he kind of just turns corners on conversations. Jesus is just like, He's the pro at like squirrel, right? I mean, just completely shifts. And he goes, go get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. This is the, this is the scene, if you're watching this on Netflix, where you're like, dang, okay? And it, it, it says, she goes, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim um, it is here at Mount Gerizim where the ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when no, when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, it is indeed here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in spirit and in truth. That's what you engaged in this morning, just a few moments ago, according to what Jesus is telling this woman, we have access and the opportunity to worship in spirit and in truth. That's what he's inviting this woman into. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus said, again, just feel this conversation, y'all. Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Oh, it's me. Remember, if you knew who you were talking to, he says, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? And the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Can I tell you that when your past gets exposed, you will never leave from your past getting exposed and be excited about it unless your past was exposed by Jesus for the sake of being set free from it. No one has all their dirty laundry poured out and says, hey, come and meet somebody who read my mail, unless it was Jesus. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have the kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests," And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. Don't miss this as, as this passage closes. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then I love this. Here it is. Are you ready? Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know. He is indeed the Savior of the world. And then the last passage, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern, everyone say pattern, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's you. We thank you it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the teacher, the one who leads and guides in all truth. Will you teach us today? Will you teach us today? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen, amen. So um, patterns. I uh, was thinking about um, this word, and, and uh, my daughter, she's, she's uh, seven years old, and in school, she's learning patterns. So she'll show me, like, pieces of paper and be like, Daddy, can you pick the pattern? And it might be like, you know two red triangles, and then an orange square, and then a blue circle, and then it repeats back, right? Then the next, the the triangles are there again, and it's trying to pick the pattern, and she'll do this often, and then sometimes she'll just see stuff like out on the road, and she'll be like, oh, daddy, I saw a pattern. Daddy, I saw a pattern. And it's interesting that one of the ways we teach children to recognize things and that Patterns are important to be able to recognize because they they speak something. And obviously, as kids grow up, there's certain kind of patterns that would be important for them to understand, even as we move them into math and all those different kinds of things. And I just had the thought how interesting it is that we will teach young children the importance of patterns But when it comes to many of us in our lives and the things we're walking through and the things we're struggling, there are some patterns of pain and sin and struggle. But because we don't want to mature in Christ, we will overlook the patterns and we'll just stay in pain. We were taught how to see patterns elementary, but some of us, our proclivity, um, meaning your liking to the pattern, is more comforting than for the pain to really be dealt with. It's almost as if the pattern is a comfort. I don't know if you've ever had something in your life that you're like, this is not good, it should not stay. God, I'm sorry, or I'm gonna work really hard to stop it only to find yourself stressed out, overwhelmed, and right back to that thing. See, oftentimes in church, we'll talk about sins and we'll be like, this sin is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Yes, sin is wrong, but sin separates you from God. The reason it's wrong is because you were not designed to be separated from God. It was God's intention, if you were here last week, that we would be connected to the Father, right? In the garden, walking with God. And so sin is the separation. But oftentimes, we will talk about certain sins and we will be like this is just so terrible and you've got to get rid of it and you've got to stop this when the reality is some of our sin that we're struggling with is actually a pattern of comfort for our lives some of us it's not that it's we like in society we'll say like oh this man is so disgusting when it comes to lust and xyz and men for some of you the battle and the struggle with lust and the reality of it is you love your spouse and you truly desire them. You truly do. But there's this pattern that really oftentimes is just exposing a pain that hasn't been dealt with. And that thing actually becomes a comfort much more than it is about you being some just sick individual. But because we're not willing to deal with patterns of pain and struggle and sin and shame, we end up living in these things. And we turn a blind eye to the patterns. And uh, we'll do whatever it takes for them to not be exposed and to not have to deal with them. The woman at the well was very similar to this. Similar to this, as I said, you would have normally gone in the morning or in the evening in the cool of the day to draw water and to have to carry that back to, to town. So the fact that the scripture tells us she went at noontime is kind of like, whoa. Why the heck is she going there at noontime? Well, once Jesus addresses and deals with the fact, hey, why don't you go get uh, get your husband? She's like, I don't have one. And Jesus is like, I know. You've actually had multiple, and the man you're with is not even one because you've had so much pain from all the other ones that you're wondering if commitment's the issue, but you still can't handle being lonely, so you're just going to be with them without commitment and see if that'll fix it. And it's very possible the reason she's there at noontime is because she's well known in the area of being a woman who is, well, married five times, living with a man that isn't her husband, which is the sixth man. And I do want to let you know numbers matter in Scripture. There's a lot of revelation rooted in numbers. And the number six represents Man, It represents our own effort, us trying. And the number seven is completion and perfection. And it's very interesting that she's been with six men, and here's this seventh man who enters in, and he actually is the one who will complete her. He will perfect everything that's broken in her life. But she's in a pattern. She's in a pattern, and her pattern is so deep that she's even figured out a way to go and get the necessities of life without we're just trying not to deal with the judgment, trying not to deal with the pain. And I just ask you today, what in your life right now, the moment that I said pain for some of you, that thing showed up, what mom did or didn't do, what dad did or didn't do, the family relationship that you just, you, you have to, if you don't follow them on Facebook, you can't see it anymore, your blood boils the anger, the frustration. And I want you to know that those are pain points that have to be dealt with, not so that you can look at someone who's done wrong and say, everything's okay. You didn't do wrong. It's fine. No, it's not fine. It's not fine that someone could have done something to you or treated you in a way that is not right. It's not saying it's okay. Breaking the pattern of our pain is not telling the place where pain came from that it's okay, but it's telling pain that you won't keep me in my past any longer that there is a God who has a plan and a purpose for my life and I will allow my pain to be dealt with so that my purpose can be revealed this woman didn't want the pain to be dealt with our son Canyon he's two years old we have a dining room table that my dad built and I'm just going to be honest he has been the height of just the perfect place for pain some of you know if you have little ones the corner of that table has destroyed this kid's forehead. I mean, there's probably people who are like, man, what do what these pastors do to their kid? No, literally, it's the dining room table. Blame, blame his grandfather, okay? But he just, he'd been the perfect height and literally headed to the refrigerator or the pantry, two of his favorite places in the house, and just, he's just getting to the point now where the pattern's being broken, not because he's not the height. Dude, he's still the height. If he go, I'm talking the corner of that table, it's almost like it's just tall enough to be out of sight, but just low enough to wreck shop. You know what I mean? Just goonk And then you hear it. It's one of those cries, you know, when a kid really gets hurt and it's like, ah, and it gets quiet for a while. And you're like, oh my spirit of God, breathe, breathe. You know what I mean? Like you're freaking out because the child's not breathing. And what I've, I've watched him lately when he, when he rounds the corner, headed to the pantry, wanting some mummies, which is gummies, okay, rounding the corner. The pattern is starting to be broken because of the pain he has experienced and willing to go, oh, hey, there's a pain point here. There's something that has happened. He has changed his trajectory a little bit. He, he's rounding the corner a little bit wider than he has before. And I just wonder if some of us have been in places of pain and we've begged God, God, take this away from me. God, please, God, I'm so sorry. And God's like, I am here and I'm a healer and I am present and I will work, but I'm gonna need you to change your trajectory a little bit. There's some times that we're begging God to take pain when we're not willing to take a different route. Young girls in the room, listen to me. I don't care how cute he is. If he doesn't treat you the way you deserve to be treated, you can swipe, delete that number and block homeboy on every social media account that exists on the planet. Because you're just going to have to take a different trajectory for the sake of your worth and what Jesus says about you. Marriage relationships, married couples in the room, listen. There are situations and uh, uh, conversations where you find yourself constantly getting to the place of an argument or a fight. And oftentimes, you'll just start avoiding things, right? But I want, I want you to see the difference between changing trajectory and avoiding something. Changing trajectory is I don't want this pain to happen again. Avoidance is there was pain, I won't deal with it, and you'll end up avoiding so much that you'll avoid yourself into another place of pain. Sometimes that place of pain and avoidance is now... More distance between you and your spouse, which is the greatest human relationship on the planet. It is a covenant, not a contract. Don't let the world tell you about marriage. God designed it. It is a covenant. It is the closest human relationship in terms of giving a picture of the gospel to the world. And I'm just telling you that marriage is work and it's not easy. But if there's a place that society should be able to look to for healthy marriages, not perfect marriages, we're not looking for perfect marriages. We're looking for healthy marriages that aren't scared of confrontation, that are willing to deal with stuff, that are willing to fight along with each other, not fighting against each other, but with and for one another. It should be the church. Amen. It should be the church. But oftentimes there's pain. There's pain for some of us. We stepped into a marriage relationship because we loved them and they were amazing, and they're going to fix all the problems that I've never dealt with. No, it's going to expose all the problems that have never been dealt with. And because we're so fearful of being exposed, what we'll end up doing is avoiding right in to a different kind of pain, a different kind of addiction, a different kind of struggle. We're in this series called Closer to Jesus, and the Lord had me write this down. I want you to write this down. Closeness with Jesus will help you process your pain instead of staying stuck in the pattern of pain. I want you to know that Jesus' heart and desire is that you and I would learn how to process our pain. Where did this come from? Where did this start? Where's the root issue? I was talking with someone about azalea bushes the other day. Um, They can bloom and be pretty. They can be. Sometimes they can just get crazy out of control. But has anybody in here ever tried to cut one down and remove it? Anybody? Raise your hand if you have, okay? I just want to know where the group of people are that have literally had to get saved multiple times. It is so bad. The root system of these things is insane. I'll never forget. My dad's a big guy. My dad's, you know, 6'2", six, 6'3". 250 my dad's just a hard worker he's built multiple houses we lived in there's not really anything my dad can't build and or do he's just one of those people when building one of our houses i'll never forget him falling off a ladder grabbing the the part that kind of folds up as he was falling it dislocated all three of these fingers but he was putting hardy plank on the wall and i'll never forget watching my dad land on his butt get up all of these fingers are pointed the other direction and he just goes and snaps them all back in place and continues putting hardy plank And i was like he's a beast. I don't know. What happened to me? I don't know. Just, this is crazy. Shauna's like, John, you should build us something. I was like, we're building the church, babe. That's all I can do. Okay. That's all I can do. My dad gave me a tape measure and be like, hey, measure this out to such. such. And I'm like, just one, two, three. Dang it. I need a magnifying glass to count line. It's just not my thing. But um, <laughs> sorry why did I even tell you that story? (laughs) I haven't slept in days. No, seriously, someone help me. Azaleas, thank you so much. It's just needed a little bit of help. It's been a long week, okay? Take four kids to a conference, and services get over at 10 o'clock every night. And then just ask God, why? Anyways, I'll never forget ripping out the Azaleas with my dad. And again, my dad's a strong guy, and like, it just got to a point where I was like, Dude, if these things can put up against Robbie Teal, there's no hope. We're done. We're done. These are here forever. There was a root system that was so dense and so deep. My dad had to call friends over. They have machines. There was so much work to take care of the root of this. Some of us, there is pain that has been undealt with. And as much as I'd love to tell you, like, hey, you just come down here today and have a moment with Jesus, and then everything's good, and you go on and live this rainbow butterfly salvation that Jesus gave you. It's just not going to be the reality when it comes to pain. There's going to be a process to this thing. Now, I said this last week, Jesus, remember Galatians five one. it is for freedom that you've been set free. Jesus today, I believe for some of you, are going to bring up pain to him for the first time in a long time. And I believe there's a freedom that will happen. But it is for freedom that we've been set free. So in his presence, we can be set free. But then there are spiritual disciplines that have to be set in place for us to be in freedom, to continue in it. That's where processing the pain comes from. That's where getting wise counsel and shepherds and mentors and accountability in your life is crucial to walking in freedom. But as I've thought about this idea of the pattern of pain, I just started, I was praying for you guys today, and I just sensed that the Lord was revealing to me that there are patterns of pain that are so frustrating that for some of us, it's like, I have tried everything. I've brought it to the Lord. Some of you in here, I have brought it to the Lord. I have said, I forgive them. But when I see them, I still want to slap them. God, I've done all the right things. What's wrong? And I want you to know today that because faith is not feeling, sometimes the consistency of I forgive I release this. I am healed. God is taking this pain away. God is turning my pain into a platform. Over and over and over and over again is the pathway to your healing. Because just think about it. There's either living in the pain, and guess what you and I are really good at doing? Mulling over it, staying in it, right? Just being there, letting it just just light that fire within us, that, that anger, that frustration, that rage, that, hey, I just need to talk with somebody because you know I'm so ticked off, and then you just gossip about it and share about it, and then you stir it all back up. If we're really good at being consistent in mulling in the pain, I would tell you that the same discipline in a different direction could get you in a place on the pathway to healing to going, God, I just thank you that I'm healed. God, I'm so angry right now. And God, I do, I wanna jack slap somebody, but I'm just getting in your presence and I'm just going after you, thanking you that I'm healed, thanking you that I'm not in a pattern of pain, but you're helping me process my pain. Jesus, I do believe that you're a healer. Jesus, I do believe that all this stuff that the enemy meant for evil, you are gonna turn around and use it for good, not for just my good, but for the good of your glory and your name and your fame, and what if you just took the same consistency of being so frustrated and angry and directed it in the place of faith of saying, God, I just, I thank you that I'm healed. God, I thank you that this doesn't hold me back any longer. And I'll tell you, he can do it. Romans 12, too, as I read it to you a moment ago, says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Worship team, you guys can come up find it interesting that it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world has a pattern. Now this word world in Greek, um, it's not earth. It's not physical location. This word world actually means the world's government and way of doing things. And not even when I say government, I'm not talking about America or anything like that. I'm talking about the domain in the kingdom of darkness. Because Satan is the prince of this world at this time. Um, we know that Jesus is the king of kings, but there is obviously evil in the world. We can all agree with that right now, correct? So what this scripture is telling us is this world has a pattern that they're stuck in, but you can't get conformed to the pattern. And what happens often is as if you follow Jesus in the room, we'll be like, I got to get out of the pattern of sin right? And some of you today, you love Jesus and you're in a pattern of sin. And I just want to let you know, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The gospel is not shame on you. It's shame off of you. And today is not, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for my sin. Today is if you are in Christ, according to the word of God, it says that you disciples Jesus is speaking to in this scripture specifically, he says, he will convince you of righteousness. The conviction of the Holy Spirit to a son or a daughter is he's convicting you that you're righteous. He convicts the world of sin, he convicts sons and daughters of righteousness, and he convicts the enemy of this world to his destruction, his demise. But if you're in here today in the pattern of, pain, or pattern of sin, I want you to know that there is freedom in Christ, in Christ alone. This is not, let's make you feel really bad for what you do. Let's be honest, if you're stuck in sin, if you're struggling and you, you don't wanna live in it, we already know that it's bad. We already know that we're not satisfied. We already know like the woman at the well, man, what would it be like to have living water? What would it be like to be satisfied? But there's others of us that have dealt with the pattern of sin and we read this scripture and say, I'm not being conformed to the pattern of this world anymore. But the reality is there's a pattern of pain that we're in because of unforgiveness, because of bitterness, because of abuse, because of rejection, because of negative words that have been spoken over us. For some of us in the room who desired to live a life of purity, but somehow, some way, because we liked them and they liked us and we got ourselves in a situation we shouldn't have been in, that that purity that we wish we would have lived in is no longer, and now you just feel like you, you, you failed. It's all over. But we have such a redeemer, such a healer, such a restorer. Literally, access to the kingdom is to be born again. the woman at the well she um she had an encounter with Jesus a closeness with Jesus that she was not expecting that afternoon and when she encountered Jesus Jesus makes some tough statements you're right you don't have a husband Here's everything going on in your life. And I love the kind of obscure scripture in there when, it, when he finally tells her, I'm the Messiah and all the light bulbs go off and she realizes, this is Jesus. I've been in this pattern of pain knowing that the Messiah is gonna come. She said that. She said, I know one day he'll come and he'll explain everything. And sh- the person she's waiting on ha- was, is there waiting on her to respond. And at that moment, I love the obscure scripture. It says, leaving her water jar." She went there to get water. She left her jar behind. Some of us, you've got this water jar, if you will, this thing that you're hoping, I just will dip some of this, it'll satisfy me for a little bit. I'll just, I've got to mull over this pain a little bit. I got to remind myself that it wasn't right and that I was in the right and you've lived in this pattern of pain and I'm telling you that when you have an encounter with Jesus and the closeness of Jesus shows up in your life, it says she runs back to the village to tell everybody, hey, all the stuff you guys have been talking about me about, all my all my my story and my history that I've been ashamed of, and I haven't been hanging out with you guys in the morning or in the evening. I just met a man and he told me all the bad stuff about my life. This is awesome. I can imagine people in town being like, what the heck just happened to this girl? She was ashamed and now she's like, okay with it? What's going on? Jesus. Jesus. And And in that, she tells the people, the people come and have encounters for themselves, and I love it. We don't believe because you told us anymore. We've heard and experienced it ourselves. Can I tell you that when you allow Jesus to help you navigate and process the very real pain, some of you are in this room with very real pain, pain that has been swept under the rug for so long, you've been tripping for decades because you haven't dealt with what you swept under the rug. Honestly, you know good and well when you have a bad bout and a friend texts you, hey, didn't see you today. How are you doing? Just having a rough day. You know exactly why you're having the rough day. You know exactly what those things are that are coming to mind that you're battling with and you're dealing with. And I'm telling you, it's because we can get in this pattern and Jesus comes to break the pattern. He comes to break the pattern. And I love that it says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I tell you how you do that today? The word of God will renew your mind. It will renew your mind. I don't know what pain you're walking through. I don't know what thing you've been going to over and over, hoping it would satisfy you just a little bit, but I'm here to to tell you today, it's time to leave your water jar behind. He's the lover of your soul. He's the only one who can satisfy. If you'll stand to your feet this morning, I just, and I told the team this morning, I, I, I just feel like Jesus wants to deal with some things. I, I sense that Jesus says, we're done with patterns. We're stepping into the process and he's about to start taking you on this beautiful restoring journey that your pain will not be something that you're ashamed of any longer it'll be like the woman at the well, and I want to share this with you today, because Thursday night, I heard the Spirit of God say, preach on John chapter 4, and I was like, okay, my wife, she got her master's in ministry leadership, and when she was doing a lot of her New Testament classes, I just have a bachelor, she's smarter than I am, I ain't going back to school, y'all, okay, um, people come up, like, hey, pastor, what's your schooling, and I'm like, Well, I didn't really pay attention to Bible college too much, but I really try hard to stay close to Jesus. So that's about all you got. (laughs) The woman at the well, according to history, Saint Fatini was her name. And this was crazy because I felt the spirit of God say you preach on John four. And this morning I was up at five and I was praying and preparing. And I went back to some historical writings And it says, St. Fontini, the Samaritan woman, is commemorated on February 26th, known as the Sunday of the Samaritan woman. And I was like, what? Today's February 26th, by the way. Sunday, February 26th. And then I just began to read the rest of her story. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus performed so many miracles and so many things were done that not all the books in the world could contain. This is why when people kind of like, like they get frustrated about like if, you know, wildly spiritual things are happening they're like well I don't I can't I can't find it in the Bible and I'm like well girl according to I said it was a girl maybe it was a guy I don't know but according to the Gospels it says that he did so many miracles that not all the books in the world could contain it so what if the thing you're going well it's not in the Bible is just something that's like oh sorry that was one of the ones that just couldn't make it there's just so many I think sometimes we like to draw lines in the sand because we don't want anything that God could do that can make us uncomfortable when the uncomfortability is the very step to the freedom. Like this morning, someone will probably, by the Spirit of God, be overcome and maybe weep for the first time over some pain. And someone could be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that in church. And I believe the Lord would probably respond to you and be like, yeah, I've actually been waiting for you to have one of those moments too. This, this woman, her story is, is wild. She gets saved. She has five sisters. All five of her sisters get saved. I can't pronounce all their names, so I'm not going to try. If you'd like this, come find me after service. I'll airdrop this to you, and you can read the history about her life. She had two sons. One of her sons ended up. They were under um, Emperor Nero at this time, and one of her sons actually is doing so well in the military that he actually gets put over a certain area as a general, but they tell him, hey... Uh, One one of the other generals says, hey, look, I know you care about your mom and your brother and and, and your aunts. You're gonna need to tell them that they can practice their faith in quiet, but Emperor Nero is giving us the responsibility to kill Christians. And you are now being elevated in your position. And so, dude, you just need to keep quiet and then tell them to keep quiet. And it says that um, uh, Fatini's son says, I can't do that. I've got to follow Jesus. And when he does that, that general who told him to do so got blinded immediately, which lines up with the apostle Paul being on a horse. He gets blinded. He gets blinded immediately. For two days, he lays there blinded. This other general who told the young man, you should just practice your faith quietly. He gets blinded. Two days later, he says out of his own mouth, Jesus is the only king. And the son of Fatini says, "What? what's the all of a sudden change? He said, while I've been blinded, Jesus visited me. He regains his sight. And now at this point, Fatini, her, her two sons and all of her sisters, they just begin, they become evangelists, and they begin spreading the gospel. Well, in that time, Emperor Nero is still persecuting Christians. This is real history. This actually happened, okay? At that time, they get arrested and put in prison. When they get put in prison, Emperor Nero is known as just one of the fiercest torturers there was. So he started doing crazy stuff. He would purposely blind the sisters, in the the cell, basically just hoping that they would starve to death. And an angel of the Lord would come, and these women got healed multiple times of blindness in prison. We have historical document of this. It continued to happen where Nero got so frustrated, he actually at one point says, I want you to go fillet all of their skin, and I want you to stretch them out like they're crucified. In the prison cell. They come to get checked on. As they're coming to get checked on, an angel of the Lord blinds the guards coming to check on them, gets the sisters off of the thing they're strapped down on they pray for the guards that are blind to be healed they get healed and i know some people are like dude this ain't in the bible this is just historical writing that we have this is why i love the bible it is historically accurate and we can do the research to go find out what happened with many people But what's so crazy about this whole thing, here's this woman in this pain, man after man after man after man, nothing's working, she meets Jesus, life is radically changed, now there's this powerful man saying, you can't talk about Jesus, you can't preach the gospel, she says, we're going to do it anyways, they continue to torture her and stop her, give her a whole different kind of pain, but isn't it interesting that when Jesus dealt with the internal pain, she was willing to face any kind of external pain, because internal healing can take you farther than any kind of external healing can. Do I believe that Jesus can heal the sick, raise the dead? Absolutely, 100%. But can I tell you that if you have a broken heart and a broken leg and he heals a broken leg, now healed legs have to follow a broken heart. But if you've got broken legs and a broken heart and he heals the heart, now if he heals legs, those legs are following a healed heart. And that's the heart of the healer, Jesus. These people go through crazy stuff. It gets to the point. Where they take one of her sons, cut his legs off and feed him to the dogs. He's now dead. he does not get brought back to life. The other son, which they actually end up naming Fatinus so the, the, the mother was Fatini. he was Fatinas, and Fatini means the enlightened one." And they called him Fatinas" when he got saved, because they said, "You're going to be one who helps many be enlightened to the truth of the gospel." They take him. They bend two trees down tie ropes to them, tie him in the middle. And they end up allowing it to tear him apart. That's what they did to one of the sons. And then Fatini, the woman at the well, and we have this historical documentation, it's just incredible. Emperor Nero <laughs> tried to blind her multiple times, fillet her skin, and she just continued to live. It says in 66 AD, She was thrown in the bottom of a well, (laughs) an empty well. And history says this, where she gave up her life in 66 AD. Find it interesting that what an example of even Christ, that they didn't take Christ's life. He gave up his life. She was a messenger of the gospel of the kingdom, and they didn't take her life. They tried multiple times. She gave it up. She finished her assignment because there was a day, one afternoon, when she met the healer, And he helped her deal with her pain and not be ashamed of her past. And no matter all the outward pain she faced from that point, how could she keep going? Because she got out of the pattern of pain and went through the process and Jesus the healer did a miracle in her life. And I wonder, I just had this picture, her at the bottom of a well looking up, seeing this this circle of light. And I just wondered if she just began to think about the day when he met her right around the rim of a well just like that. If he wouldn't have met me in the middle of my pain, where would I be? Can I tell you something today? He's here to meet you in the middle of your pain. Whatever that is, some of you are like, dude, I really don't wanna dig that far up. You've got to, you've got to. Jesus did not die to set people free for you to live locked up by pain. The greatest way you could honor him this morning is in these next few moments. Could you just bring that to Jesus? Could you bring it to Jesus? We bow your heads and close your eyes if you're in this room today? If you're in this room today and you have never had an encounter with Jesus, maybe you've truly just like, man, I, I hear what you're saying about letting Jesus help me process my pain, but I don't even know him. If that's you today, I'm letting you know right now, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where Jesus is at your well. And if that's you, if you've just never come to a place of surrendering your life to Christ and the Lordship of Jesus, Romans 10, 9 and 10, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you have never done that, today's your day. And if you're in here today and you would say, no, no, I want that. I want that relationship with Jesus. Will you just lift your hand in the room? If you're in here and you're like, I want that relationship, I want to know him like that. Yeah. Come on, I see you. I see you. So if that's you, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not, we're not in here trying to like count numbers and be like, oh, look how many. I want you to have a moment with Jesus. So if that's you, if you just said, I, w- I want to know him, right now I want you to say a prayer, something like this. You don't have to use my words because you're not talking to me, you're talking to Jesus. But will you just say, Jesus, I surrender my life. I confess my sins. God, I've messed up. I don't want to be separated any longer. Tell him, say, Jesus, I want to live for you all the days of my life. Save my soul. Help me process my pain." And if you just in your own words went to Jesus with that, I want you to know that's the simplicity of the gospel. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of the voyage. But for the rest of us in the room, I want you to know that the altars are gonna be open. If I have any of my, um, any of our core team in the room that can just be ready to pray with people, to walk around and pray over people, But if that's you, if there's some pain you haven't dug up in a while, someone took advantage of you, something that you never told anybody, I want you to know that Jesus, the healer today, is at your well. And he wants to break the pattern because there's so much he wants to do through your life. The pain is not going to stop you. It will be your platform of the greatest things God will do for the rest of your life. So Jesus, in these next moments, we give them to you. Jesus, will you help us process pain? Jesus, will you heal in this moment right now? Jesus, will you heal trauma? Jesus, will you heal the scars in our souls and in our minds right now, Lord? However you need to respond, if you just need to sit, if you need to come to the altar, can you just bring it to him right now? Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.